Happy Victory Friday to those of you in Northeast Ohio or wherever you are here on this earth. This is the Big Time Sports Podcast Show special episode. As I leave the mic down here, a special episode here uh, recapping Thursday night's game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala, and we have a special guest here, Gianni Capuano, uh, a, a new member of Big Time Sports here for the first time on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We, I am excited here, Mitch and Gianni, because it is time now to bask in a victory Friday. Very rare these days for the Browns because we've just gotten back into the mix of nationally played games here in the last couple of seasons. And this is a big one, 29 to 17 over the Steelers. So we got past the Jets loss. We are two and one on the year. We're in first place in the AFC North as of now. Guys, this is this was a obviously a very necessary win. And the fashion that in which we did it, I think really de-stressed some fans uh, coming back from that Jets loss. I don't know about de-stress, Mitch. I was still a little stressed last night when I saw the Steelers had to have the lineup for an onside kick. I had a little PTSD going. Uh, I was really, very, really, really nervous. So, um, but got it too. they did almost get it. That was, that was, <laughs> that they, go out of bounds? you know, what's funny is that that ball was actually farther away from the first touch than it was against the Jets. Cooper's yeah. right near the sideline. Donovan Peoples-Jones was kind of a ways away, and the ball somehow went out there. So it's a game. It's a funny game, the NFL. But besides the the close results, because we did have to play up until the last minute. I understand there are some people that are like, oh, well, the, you know, the defense is still doing this thing. The special teams. The special teams was the worst team of the night by far. But yeah. the yeah. defense, Mitch and Gianni, really, I think – found itself particularly in that second half and made Pittsburgh seem a little bit more lost than they were in the opening 30 minutes. Well, and and here's the big thing, Mitch, not only did they kind of settle down and make some plays, you had guys step up Anthony Edwards, or I'm sorry, Anthony Walker. Gosh, that is such, that is, I wish Anthony, listen, Anthony Edwards, if you're out there and you want to play for the Cavs and you're cool being sixth man, by all means, come on over. Anthony Walker though, going down on that play, which Mitch at the time, Real in, in real time, they'd said he left with like a, a right knee injury. Today, you found out um, from Ian Rappaport and Schefter, it's a torn quad. Yep. And he's out for the year. He's out for, it's a five to seven month injury. So he's out for the rest of the year, which is huge because not only is he a middle linebacker and is he a good player. I think he's been tremendous since we got him minus the first few weeks last season, but that was defense learning to play with each other. He's your signal caller. And this team already has had issues the first two weeks. Last week, not so, or last night, excuse me, not so much, but already had issues with communication. That's my biggest worry. But you had somebody like Jacob Phillips last night, Mitch, who stepped up and made plays. Sione Takitaki, who <laughs> I would, you know, you know, I was at the game and I had one, one of my buddies goes, he's still on the team. I know. He's 44 run out there because you haven't heard about him. He hasn't done anything. Takitaki and Jacob Phillips stepped up big last night. And that's what the Browns are going to have to do. Miles Garrett didn't have his best game, but he was still a presence. He still got double, triple teamed. Of course, he got held per usual, hands to face per usual, no call. And Mitch, I thought last night was one of the worst games Denzel Ward's played, and you still won. I thought Denzel Ward last night probably had one of his worst games as a professional in the NFL, and they were still okay. Obviously, the score is a little different. The Browns scored in the last play of the game, falling on the fumble in the end zone uh, when the Steelers were laterally it, but they did what they had to do. I'm the one thing I'm not happy with was the last drive the Steelers had where they kicked the field goal in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, Mitch, the offense was awesome. 
Jacoby Brissett, and it, it kills me, right? Because last year I, I did die on a sword trying to defend, you know, we weren't doing this right. The play calling wasn't here. Our quarterbacks hurt. And I think those are all still variables, but I'm done with it. If I had Jacoby Brissett last year, we're talking about a completely different situation. We're talking about a team that makes the playoffs because if he plays like this every week, the Cleveland Browns will have a shot to beat almost every team in the NFL every week, depending on the defense. Because right now, Nick Chubb looks like the best running back in the NFL. I don't think it's really, I don't think you can argue it. Derrick Henry looks like he's old or washed up, or you can say it's the Titans offensive line. Dalvin Cook has been, and McCaffrey's getting about 15 touches max a game. Um, Chubb looks great. The offensive line, as we know, when healthy, looks great. Amari Cooper is exactly what we thought Odell Beckham Jr. was supposed to be with us. And I've, Mitch, I have never seen a wide receiver in my lifetime as a Browns fan run as crisp of routes as Amari Cooper did last night. He's always open. He knows what to do. He knows where to go. And and right now when he is open, the ball doesn't get to him. It's probably just a little lack of trust and communication and just knowing where you're supposed to be between him and Brissett. But the offense has been great. Stefanski has been calling a great game the past few weeks. And 10 days off now, rest up, get ready, go to Atlanta, Mitch. And you could be where you expected to be after four weeks in the season at three and one. I did have my worries. You going back to Cooper. I did have my worries after that first game against Carolina, but the last two he's especially held up very well. And you saw last Over night seven yards. seven catches back to back hundred yard games. It's the first time since Josh Gordon, I think, in like seven eight years. Uh, yeah. 2013, yeah, the touchdown. David Njoku, by the way, having another solid outing. Uh, this is the, the biggest game he's had catching-wise so far this year. Yeah. Nine catches, 89 yards for that, and that touchdown as well. Very impressive, extending his arms in the back of the end zone. And, uh, yeah, the offense looks looks very capable against some of these teams and what they're able to do. Uh, and give credit to Pittsburgh. I mean, the offense here, – here's the thing about Pittsburgh today, and I was listening to some of their stations – you know, I think they're they're with the loss last night. You're obviously going to wonder what happened in that game, and people are going to obviously point towards uh, Gobisky. I don't think he necessarily did terrible. He was 20 of 32, 207 yards. Didn't embarrass himself, and I think that's that's the trick of it right now. People people have said for the last maybe three, four, five seasons that Mitch Trubisky is not a good quarterback to the point where they you you would think he's an embarrassment. I've never thought he was an, necessarily an embarrassment. He's always played in a system that didn't work for him and then doesn't get the opportunity in Buffalo. He gets one here, but everybody's focusing on now, when is Kenny Pickett going to come in? When is Kenny Pickett? I even saw an article last night from uh, Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, or it might not have been Florio. I don't, don't want to exactly credit him if it wasn't him, but it was a headline along the lines of like, is this the time for the Steelers bench Mitch Trubisky and in parentheses, it says spoiler it is. So everyone is just kind of just throwing him down the river at this point, but he wasn't the reason that this team wasn't able to put up enough points against Cleveland last night. I think that's the issue. I uh, see in my eyes, you know, I definitely think they should move on. Not that I think Mitch Trubisky is like terribly bad, but because I think that just Trubisky just isn't the dude. He's just not, the guy like I don't even know how to explain it in my opinion this goes beyond football stats and this is just straight eye test for me yeah it's like you watch yeah. these teams and the dangerous thing about Mitch Trubisky is because like you said Mitch it's you you can't be like oh this guy's terrible he needs to be replaced immediately because he'll have a game like every three four games where he's like oh he's not that bad yeah but he's not really going to get you anywhere. And I think that's the most dangerous spot to be in is to always get reminded that like, Oh, 
he's not that bad, but then he's going to go on like a three game run where he kind of stinks. It's like, in my opinion, if you're not putting Pickett in to get these reps, like you're going to be bad either way. Like with Trubisky, it's not like they're getting, they're not making Super Bowl runs, but with Pickett, it's just like, oh, well, you never know. I mean, like it's exciting to watch the Steelers when you got a new quarterback in play. And I mean, I feel like I can be biased. So, you know, I'm not a Browns fan, not a Steelers fan. I can see by my, by clearly. Um, but I think for the Browns, like, obviously I've been a little shaky with the Browns, you know, the last, and I'm still a little shaky with them still, like from a non-biased, like different fan team of a fan perspective, the Browns for me, obviously I think Chubb's the best running back in the league. I don't think there's any debating that. I think the key for the Browns, obviously the biggest guy who stepped up last night was Brissett, but do I think you can count on him to do that every single week? No. So I think, in my opinion, the biggest person to step up for me is Amari Cooper. Because one thing the Browns are going to be really good at is their play-action passes. It, because people have to fear Chubb when they go like, oh, yeah, we're going to run him. And Hunt. Don't forget, I mean, when oh, Chubb's out in there, it's still yes, Cream yes. Hunt. And Hunt. But they have to really fear the run. So if Amari Cooper can just always be open, and the reason why he's always open is because they have to – plan for the run. So in my opinion, I think Amari Cooper is going to be a huge part of this team because they have, if they have a passing threat at all, and you know who, what, who it reminds me of when Jared Goff was on the Rams with Todd Gurley. Yeah. That's exactly the same scenario that we were in where, you know, our passing game wasn't the best. I mean, we had like Brandon cooks and some other guys that were electric, but our main point was our running game. And that's, where we got our passing yards from was because people were afraid that we were going to run the ball. And we did a lot of play action passes. I see like huge variables with this team and that team. So, but can Jacoby Brissett play the same weekend and re out? That's the big question. I think. Yeah. I mean, and keep in mind with all the the praise that I'm giving Cleveland for their win last night, I don't necessarily think it, it, uh, erases all the issues. The team seemingly still has you're two and one right now. You're in a good spot. You're in a much better spot than some teams who might be better than you on paper, say like Cincinnati Bengals, but you are in a, in a position where right now you're in first place. You can breathe a little bit easier. You get an extended break here now, and you're not going to take on a terribly amazing team in the Falcons next week. They've had back-to-back close games against the Saints and uh, Gianni's Rams, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be one where you're where you're seriously like kind of fearing what uh, Art Smith's uh, squad is going to bring uh, uh, in the Dome come next Sunday. And uh, the, the big thing for me with this team last night is that, and we kind of alluded to it with the onside kick, what is going on with the special teams this year? Because right now, I don't recall, I don't recall this team struggling this bad, and we are coming off a year where we could not find, we didn't have a kicker, basically. Yeah. Regular kicker. I, I just want to know what are they doing to practice? Cause it doesn't seem like they're practicing onside kicks. And I mean, Mitch, at this point, I don't know how you're an opposing team. And you don't think you have to try an onside kick at least once with how pathetic the Browns have looked the past two weeks. <laughs> it's and, not, it's, it's not just the onside kicks. It's the oh, fake it's punt last week. It's yeah. the, the whole thing there. Like I could legitimately see te- more teams more often than usual, pulling fake stunts like that because the Browns may, may not be able to stop it because of what they've proven the first three weeks of the year. You're not wrong. I, I I would be shocked if they if teams didn't try it a little more often. So and, they're going to be tested. I yeah, mean, they're going to be tested. I think the nice thing is though is last night you had an actual returner back there in Chester Rogers, who the Browns activated off the 
you know, off the practice squad. They had signed him a week or two ago. So Demetric Felton was inactive last night and nothing personal against him, but I was just very happy to see that because every time that ball went in the air on punts and kicks, every Browns fan had to hold their breath, just hoping he caught the ball securely and nothing happened. We, he fumbled one time, they got it back, but he just never looked comfortable back there. And Chester Rogers is a natural returner. And we yeah. were supposed to have one with Joaquin Grant. And, you know, he blew out his Achilles in training camp, which that was a huge blow because he's also supposed to be part of the passing game. But just having that insurance of knowing you have a guy back there that can return punts and kicks that's done it for a while helps ease my mind a little bit. But Mitch, to your point, they have to get better on special teams, both on kickoffs. And what's crazy to me is this goes back to the Jets game. You never kicked the ball through the back of the end zone. Instead, you kicked it to the Jets and NFL All-Pro returner uh, Barrios, I believe. Yes. Last night, we were kicking out of the back of the end zone against the Steelers, and it was very windy downtown. So what? just like, what was the what was the, the thought there? Why are we kicking it to the Jets who have an All-Pro returner? It just, to me, that made no sense because the Jets got some decent field position in the game this past Sunday. Mike Prefer has to be looked at, Mitch, and it's him. He's been here for a couple of years now, and the special teams has never done anything special. They've never done anything special. I can't remember a fake punt we've tried to run besides week one against the Baltimore Ravens in 2020 in Stefanski's first game where it got blown up and Gillen tried to run to the right side of the field, got blown up, lit up, and I don't think the Browns have tried anything fake since then. So and I'm not calling here saying I think I need a fake punt or fake field goal or onside kick every week, but I'm certainly – worried that other teams are going to be able to exploit this on us every week and it's going to eventually bite us again like he did this past Sunday. Another another one that I had issue with last night. Who was the one that took the ball out of the end zone and Jerome Ford. Ford. I mean yeah, like I like Ford. Ford. He can do some capable things, but he took the ball out of the end zone and didn't book it full speed, it looks like, and he only got to the 12 yard line. Like that was stupid. That was a rookie, I think, thinking he knew what he wanted to do and then realizing it once he was out of the end zone and not really knowing what to do. He even I think put that's it, all it was. Yeah, he even put it up like this, like, oh, I'm just going to let it fall and then didn't. I don't, so. Maybe he thought he'd fool somebody, and I, I don't know. Maybe. We won't know until he speaks or until you you know, you know hear no. him talk, whether it's the Browns are going to make him available. Um, it didn't cost you, but I agree. That is, a lot, that is something a lot of people were upset about. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, you won. You won. This isn't college football. This isn't yep. college football. It doesn't matter about style points. Yep. The Cleveland Browns are two and one. The Pittsburgh Steelers are one and two. They're going to be tested coming up. They will be I, tested. You know, yeah. Right now. And look, they got. So the next three games, they have two very winnable games, at least how teams have been playing so far right now. You know, they got the Falcons next week, which is definitely a game that they can win for sure. The Chargers the week after that, which, you know, that's going to yeah. be a tough game. Yeah, then they got the Patriots. Patriots, you can beat the Patriots. Maybe. For sure. But then you got a grueler of the yep. next five weeks. You got yep. Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Buccaneers. That's going to be the yeah. five-game stretch is going to really define how your season goes. Yeah, Miami, Miami, I didn't have Miami on that list initially because I thought it would be kind of an even match now. Miami looks like their offense can be very capable very since Tua Tagovailoa has gotten so red hot to the it. season. <laughs> when we were in the car, didn't you put them to, for like the Super Bowl or something like that? I mean, but we did our NFL predictions. I think yeah. I told you Mike McDaniel was my pick of the year for coach of the year just because I think yeah. he's a very offensive minded guy. Something like we've seen in in LA with Sean McVay and and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I just uh, look. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, the right. Browns 
are very talented in the secondary on paper. You know, they haven't really lived up to the hype yet, but you have plenty of time to come through and live up to that hype still. But they, Mitch, the Jets lost hurt, but it's over with, right? That's a loss. Yeah, your, we're, we're, we're passing. We're passing. You have, you have to win two of your next three. You have to beat the Falcons. You have to beat the Patriots. You have to get to what? That'd be four wins. Be four and two about right there. Four before and two. You, get to... you have to get the four and two and then figure out how you can possibly get another win or two with Jacoby Brissett before Deshaun gets back. Because if you don't, it's going to be pretty You hard definitely, for for, with, the Raven, with the Ravens and the Bengals games happening at the end of October, Bengals happening on Monday, Halloween night, uh, you definitely need to win one of those, one of those two. Yeah. And then you go over to Miami and, and Buffalo. You can't lose both of those either. Buccaneers could be an interesting one because the Buccaneers for as good for as good a start they've had they've kind of had some like weird things going on um and then obviously week 11 is when or week uh 12 is what week 13 rather is where well is where you get Watson back that's another thing too that's another thing too uh you know are you one of those people that are entertaining the idea of because of what Jacoby has been so far this season that you might not necessarily go back to Deshaun or, or are you actually a human being based in reality is what, is what I'm trying to ask you. I, I'm based in reality, but at the same time, Mitch, if you play Deshaun in that game against Houston, the offense looks bad. I have no issue at halftime pulling him out and putting Brissett back in there. Sure. I can Yeah. You're talking about a guy, especially it depends where you're at in the season, right? If, if Jacoby has this team primed for a run, to where, hey, Deshaun, you got to go. I think he plays what the last six games, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Hey, Deshaun, you got to go four and two at least in your last six games here to get us to the playoffs. And he comes out and he struggles. I have no issue with putting Brissett out there, but Deshaun Watson adds a whole new element right. to your passing game, to your offense. You have to put him out there. Um, but listen, we have a lot more to go until we get to that point. Brissett could look even better. Brissett could, you know. Unfortunately, look what he's looked like in years past, which I hope that's not the case, but Deshaun Watson will be your starting quarterback. And here's the thing. If he doesn't start against Houston, I understand, right? That's a game that I told you that there might be a chance they don't play him because of the environment going into that. You know that it's going to be a hostile environment. And realistically, though, Mitch, I think Houston is better than what people are giving him for. You should still be able to win that game with Jacoby Brissett, though, if he plays like he's played the past two weeks. And so that's where I'd say if he doesn't play, I get it, but he needs to be in your starting lineup eventually the rest of the year. But that's so far down the road. We don't know where we're going to be at. Um, no, no. I mean, and, and, and looking at that game and the game after it, I honestly would probably rather start to Sean in Houston, despite the implications, well, possible right. implications, because the next week you play in Cincinnati against an objectively on paper, on paper, better team in their own yeah. place. You don't, yeah. you don't go back home until uh, the week and a, 15 against Baltimore. Yeah, you play week 15 against Baltimore, and you play Christmas Eve against the New Orleans Saints, and I believe you round out the year on the road in Washington and Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. We, we, Chris, well, yeah, yeah I'm, not say, yeah, I'm not saying that Cincinnati's dead in the water because, again, we're in a better spot right now, but they can do some decent things. The offensive line is like soft butter right now, and Joe Burrow's going to I be. I think it will continue, but, you know. They were like that last year too, obviously. Yeah. I think this week's game for the Bengals is like almost like a must-win game. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, it is. yeah. Uh, especially I mean, right? losing to Dallas, who doesn't even have their starting quarterback. Like that was insane. I couldn't even believe what I was watching, even compared to the four interception uh, opener in Pittsburgh. Uh, but you mentioned the the Commanders actually christened the new year uh, in Wash in the in the in the capital, and then they'll be uh, closing out the year 
oh my gosh, I texted my buddy last night, see you in December, and I didn't realize that that was the January game, one of the two January games that we're going to have. Pittsburgh's going to be the last one. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be one weird stretch of a year. And uh, look, I definitely think Bengals. I just looked this up too. Uh, you know, for teams that start zero and three, it only six teams in the modern NFL history have made the playoffs after starting off zero and three. Do you have them there with you, or? Uh, here I might be able to pull it up here. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a team that might uh, a long time ago. If I remember any of the teams that went 0-3 and, and made the playoffs. Well, it's got to be recently because I thought teams before the playoffs expanded that it started out 0-2 had not made the playoffs. No, I was going to say there had been plenty of teams that had done that. I think even like um, uh, the, the Giants during their Super Bowl run uh, yeah. back in 2007 did that. Yeah, that was the 9-7 and seven Giants, I believe. It's, it's funny. I specifically remember an ESPN segment from 2007, of all things, uh, where Chris Berman was talking about teams that start off the year 0-2, and it was a bunch of crop, of crop of different teams at the time. The Giants did that, went on to win the Super Bowl. The Miami Dolphins of that year uh, ended up only winning one game for the entire season, and we thought they were going to become the next team to uh, go goose egg for the season. And then, of course, the Lions did that the following year. And then, of course, the Browns did that about a decade later. So that's fun. Uh, yeah, so while we're looking that up, I want to remind you guys that obviously you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you for watching. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit the bell. You can also uh, follow our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify, we can distribute the video of this podcast on courtesy of Anchor. That is not a sponsor. We love what they do. They help us produce uh, uh, the podcast into different streaming platforms. Uh, Apple Podcasts, you can't watch on video. That's just the way the world works. And then, of course, you can follow us on SoundCloud. You can also find the audio-only edition of this podcast on SoundCloud. And, of course, go to BigTimeSportsOhio.com. That's where you can find our latest articles and videos. Uh, we just got the videos of uh, last week's game in New, in New Philadelphia, for instance, the last week's game between the Quakers and Mansfield Sr. So that, that was a great time there. And, obviously, you can find uh, our podcast there. We're kind of changing things up with the podcast section of the website because we're going to get our stuff on there. We're going to get many others here on Big Time Sports Ohio. All right, I do have uh, the stats. All right. So since uh, 1980, there has been 176 teams that have started out 0-3 Six of them have made the playoffs, about 3% chance. And the teams are the 2018 Houston Texans, hmm. the 1981 New York Jets, okay, 1982 Tampa Bay Bucks, 1995 Detroit Lions, the hmm. 1998 Buffalo Bills, and the 1992 San Diego Chargers. Wow. that's And well, I was about to say, none of those teams end up winning the whole thing from what I remember. Yeah, I don't I, think... No. I don't believe yeah. so. Yeah, the only team I can, I, the teams I can really go ahead, Mitch. What do you say? I was, I was gonna say, I do remember that Texans team in 2018. They had a brutal opening schedule too. I do remember that because they were a very good team. I believe they finished 11 to five. Yeah, I believe they didn't. They open the season at Kansas City when yes. Kansas City was getting their Super Bowl ring. No, maybe it wasn't Kansas City. Was it the Kansas year City, before? They lost to the wild. They lost in the wild card round to the Colts. Yeah, but that. Yeah. Diver, you remember Texans had a brutal opening start to their season. That schedule that the Texans are a team that actually was pretty common for a few years in a row. They were playing some tough opening, you know, teams. I think every team, every year you see, they're like, Oh, that's a brutal start to their schedule. And then I felt like you were looking at the Texans for about three or four straight years. You're like, damn. 
and also the and also the AFC South was much stronger back then than, he, than yeah. it is. Uh, you had the Colts kind of mixed in there right at the tail end of Andrew Luck's tenure. Jacksonville still had a capable team, good defense, and then of course the Titans Elite were quarterback. Lake Bortles. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch a good place, you know, he has at least one fan. Uh, and then of course, uh, the Titans at the time were kind of coming up. Well, they were, they, again, they were kind of stagnated before that was with Mariota. Yeah. And, before uh, Derrick Henry, before Derrick Henry really took off yep. before the Mike Vrabel era. That uh, was Mike Munchak. Munch. Yeah. Beat me to it. Mike Munchak. Remember Mike Munchak? Let he got one fired of, after a playoff win. Yes, he did. That yes, was did. crazy. That now was granted. The, uh, now granted, it looks like there was, for the right re- it was right. it worked out it worked right. out i'm not gonna say it made for the right decision but like you know well that was the game they the chiefs had a giant lead and then the chiefs blew it and the titans came roaring back and won but that was also the alex smith led chiefs if i do remember correctly uh yes because that was the year before drafting mark uh Mahomes. i believe so okay yeah, those Alex Smith Chiefs teams, man. I that was that was a good. They also gave up that huge lead to the Colts in the wild card round back in 2014. I want to say that was the year that Indy went to the AFC Championship and lost to the Patriots. That seems that now, seems right. Actually, Mitch, I, I don't want to rival your uh, last comment, but uh, in 2018, the Texans' first three games were not that. No, I must be just thinking about the year after. It must they, have been the year after. Who was it? So I just looked it up. So game one, they lost to the Patriots, which okay. that was the yeah. that was the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. so that obviously that was a tough game. Yeah. But the next two games were the Titans, and in 2018, the Titans went nine and seven. Yeah. So they were all right. Yeah. And then the third loss were to the five and eleven Giants. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm thinking of the year after the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Lost in the AFC Championship to the Patriots, or after they won the Super Bowl, I remember they had a brutal start. That. But can we talk about the Giants too? The fact that the, the Giants are two and zero right now, and now they're they might have a chance here and, in Week Three. And Mitch and I told you, I said, look at the Giants' schedule. Their schedule is yeah. pretty favorable. I think I said it in the last episode where we rattled them off, and they have a chance to you know kind of start four and zero, and they play some really tough games, and then it eases up again. You're thinking. Are the Giants that one team that nobody talks about that can make a playoff run? I mean, I know you and I, when we did our, our NFL preview, we said, oh, you know, we think it could be the Vikings or it could be this team. None of us mentioned the Giants. Right. No, nobody did. Nobody. No, nobody. Nobody expected this team to start off two and no. And I still think the Eagles have the easiest path yes. towards the postseason. But in that weak NFC East, they the, the Giants could do some things that they get, get a couple of wins together. And maybe Brian Dable, we we didn't give him enough credit to start off his uh, his tenure in uh, the Meadowlands. So that'll be an interesting run there. And uh, before we sign off, I mean, do you want to get into the the, t- the talk of the team, the shirt you're wearing today? Because I, I, sure don't, I don't think this past week could have gone much better for a Cleveland Guardians team that has a very, very sizable lead in the American League Central now, Mitch. I think it's around eight games, I want to say, or is it seven games? In the well, I am, I am pulling it up right now as we speak. That's on the me for up already. No, 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 no. At the same time, Mitch, um, I know that you and I are both, you are the optimistic Cleveland fan. I'm the op- pessimistic. Op- optimistic Cleveland realist. Fan. Realist, sorry. Sorry, optimistic realist. Um, I'm the pessimistic realist. Yeah. Um, I told you though, you said, you know, it's not over yet. And you're right. It's not. Yeah. Over yet. We're opposite on this one. Yep. In our, in our last episode, I told you, and this was after game one in which the guardians won the season series against the white Sox, which I told you, that's all I wanted. Get the season series head to head. The white Sox would have had to win 12 of their last 14 games. And the guardians would have had to have won 
I believe, a maximum of six of the last 14. Well, fast forward ahead, here we are. The Guardians just swept the White Sox. So for everybody out there that you know doesn't want to believe yet, I'm not saying take your foot off the gas. I don't think this team will. I would say you can start to breathe a little easier, though, because the White Sox now will have to win their last 12 games, which is three at Detroit, very winnable, three against the Twins, three at the San Diego Padres, and three against the Minnesota Twins again. That is not an easy schedule at all, because not only are you playing the Padres in San Diego, who are still trying to make the playoffs, the Twins, mathematically, aren't eliminated yet. So they could still be trying to you know, make a run or something, but it's not over yet. It's not clinched yet. But Mitch, I have my eyes on that first date of wildcard baseball. I'm looking at it, salivating for tickets to go on sale. And I just need to see the Guardians realistically take care of business here. Clinch as soon as possible because I want them to be able to put their rotation in the right spot, line it up how they want to. And I really think that's why you saw uh, Brennan get called up, uh, Arias get called up, because now that they're at this point, I think you're going to see Tito start to give some other guys some breaks in here, make sure they're as fresh as possible for the postseason push. 83 and 67, the Guardians are seven ahead of the White Sox in the Central, 10 ahead of the Twins, and they are in third place now. And I think we may or may not have dispatched them pretty handily with the four out of five games won in uh, in Cleveland this week against the Twins. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right. And, and for everybody out there, I don't know if people paid attention. Elvis Andrews, before the White Sox came to Cleveland last week and played that one game, Mitch. Yeah. He said they were going that we were going to crumble. Now, I don't know if that was a was a, you know, a sponsor with Crumble Cookie who has great cookies, not a sponsor of the show, but if they want to, we're all for it. Um great just great cookies over at Crumble Cookies. Um Elvis Andrews and the White Sox crumbled Mitch. So I don't know if he was foreshadowing what was going to happen to them and accidentally, you know, quoted the Guardians, but if you go on mlb.com, that's literally the headline. Guardian statement sweep crumbles White Sox playoff hopes. You have Ozzie Guillen, a former World Series manager with the White Sox back in the early 2000s, who is now with NBC Chicago, I believe, that carries all the White Sox games. Saying last night how he wishes more teams played like the Cleveland, Cleveland Guardians. You I saw that. Guardians own up to it, saying they are playing their disgusting brand of baseball. You've heard the White Sox broadcasters do it. The Minnesota Twins broadcasters do it. This is a team that you don't want to play because they make you work for everything. We talked about the White Sox had, here's why I don't agree, right? The White Sox had their three best pitchers lined up to go against us. I personally think Lucas Giolito is their best pitcher to go against us. We've only beaten him, I believe, two times in the past two seasons. They had both their starters in Dillis, Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn the first two games of the series over 50 pitches through two innings. Why? Yeah. Because this isn't a team that tries to hit a home runs, Mitch. This is a team that irritates you in the box. They foul pitches off. They put the ball in play and they run hard. You saw it with Ahmed Rosario in the first inning the other night off Lance Lynn. Yoan Mankata, I think, was checked out. I think some of the White Sox were checked out after that first loss, but you saw it. They were lazy. Their body language was terrible. And it's it's awesome. I mean, I they come home, their magic number, you know, to clinch is five. They're in Texas. This weekend for three, I mean, you're talking about they could realistically clinch this weekend or they're going to come home and they're going to play Tampa, which could be a first round, uh, potential first round matchup. Opponent, yeah. That place needs to be packed. There's no excuse anymore. The Browns are off for 10 days. The Browns are in Atlanta next week. Progressive field needs to be packed. These kids and all these young players need to understand what it's going to be like here in a couple of weeks in Cleveland, starting October 7th, when it's playoff baseball. And that's the only reason I say that, and I don't think they're going to be rattled by it 
you've heard comments from players this year saying, you know, where, why are we only getting 12,000 fans? You know, why isn't the stadium packed? This, that, whatever. You just don't want to shell shock them with them coming out of the dugout on a Friday night, potentially. And it's sold out of 36,000 screaming Cleveland fans that could potentially shell shock them. I think you're fine because you have Bieber on the mound used to it. McKenzie hasn't really experienced it as a pitcher. Quantrill has, but this, the fans need to get out. There's no excuse anymore. They're putting up great deals, $11 seats for the series against the Royals before October 2nd. There's no excuses anymore. People get up there, root on this team. And, and Mitch, I said this to you right when we started, the goal is just to get to October because anything can happen. Get your district tickets, get a free drink with that. I'm going to be at a few of the, the games here coming up against Tampa. And I did get the quote from uh, Elvis Andrews that you were talking about. And this was, I believe this was before the Guardians Thursday game, the, the previous Thursday what? in Cleveland with the White Sox, which was a makeup game. And to be fair, he looked like he knew what he was talking about after that mm-hmm. game because they the White Sox teed off on a on a triple-A pitcher and had a statement, kind of what seemed like a statement win at the time. The full quote was about the Guardians, quote, they've been playing perfect until now. If we keep winning series, we know that sooner or later they're going to crumble the closer we get. Thursday, in the like in parentheses, is going to be a really good game for us to go out there and put a statement, unquote. And, and, he, and they did. Mm-hmm. But the team went, uh, the team had a stretch against Minnesota and then just... I, I could not have ex- I could not have been more happy with the way they played because of the way they jumped on the pitchers early, because of some of the things that they were able to do to to outlast uh, teams in these late games. Taking Minnesota to 15 innings, you were there. Taking Chicago to 11 innings, like I thought that game might have been a tough one to uh, to get, especially as the White Sox staged multiple rallies. But that that's a really good stretch of the team right now. And again, I'm hoping the team does, doesn't peak too early and, and then flame out once it gets to this last stretch of the season or early in the postseason. But at this point, you kind of have to just take it one game at a time now. And uh, if we can get to, if we can get to next week's midweek taping and the team has already clinched it, that would be an amazing, amazing time to celebrate. But time will tell if that's going to be the case. So uh, obviously, I mean, if there's anything you guys can think of that you want to add on before uh, we sign off here that uh, I'll, Leave it open here. But in the meantime, I want to thank you guys for uh, watching today's special episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. And uh, we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming this coming week. I mean, Mitch, Johnny, you got anything that you guys want to add before we uh, sign off? Yeah. Uh, obviously, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be on, you know, going in the future, making some graphics and stuff uh, for the thing. Make it, make a, see if we can make it, you know, a little more cool. So, uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to that. I'll I'll probably be at the Ohio State game this Saturday. So there you go. Uh, maybe I can give a little update when I come back. But uh, yeah, ready blackout game. It's gonna be cool night game against Wisconsin. So that'll be a good one. And we and we really do. We are excited to have you here, Johnny. Obviously, and uh, we hope to have you on here multiple, many more times because uh, we like to talk about sports with anybody and everybody. So once again, thank you all for watching today on behalf of Mitchell Bala. I'm Mitch Bennell. Thank you so much for watching a special episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.